Hey, it's Justin Moore, host of Creator Debates, back at you with another bonus episode where I'm sharing a real coaching call with a creator where I debate the four different sponsorship pricing styles. I walk through the mistake to not make on phone calls with brands. I give a sneak peek into my sponsorship pricing calculator. We discuss whether every creator needs a podcast and what to say to brands who refuse to pay you more. Before we get started with this episode, I'm curious, are you looking to land more brand partnerships? Because I have a free weekly report that's gonna get you paid. The Creator Wizard newsletter will help you find which brands and companies are sponsoring creators, pitch more effectively, get paid more money on each partnership, and immediately get better looking and tell funnier jokes, probably. Join 30,000 creators and sign up at creatorwizard.com slash join. That's creatorwizard.com slash join. Ever been in this situation? When the brand reaches out to me, I don't know what to quote. That's Garov. He's a creator just like you. But like a lot of creators, pricing out brand deals can feel like total guesswork. Sometimes when I price myself high, I lose a deal. Sometimes I price myself too low, I feel like I've been just used. Sound familiar? The truth is, most creators pick a number out of thin air, or they copy their friends' rates, or they just accept being lowballed because they don't know how to fight back. But we're here to change that. In this video, Garav reveals the intimate details of those sponsorships that never made it past the negotiating table. You'll learn the pricing mistake that scares 90% of brands away, why it's not too late to salvage a deal you lost months ago, and the exact words to use when a brand says they don't have to budget. When they ask you those questions about what is your price, how much you charge, what's your rates, you say, Hey, I'm Gaurav. I'm based out of London. And uh, I started my creative journey, I would say, two years ago on Instagram. And then I expanded on TikTok. And then I grew my newsletter to around 70,000 now, so which is great. I think like overall my audience on Instagram is above just hit 500K like last week, so that's awesome. On TikTok is above 100K and newsletter uh, around 70K-ish. I would say the biggest challenge is like um, when the brand reaches out to me and I'm like, I don't know what to quote. Um, the second one, when they ask me, oh, what is your pricing? Uh, then I'm like, okay, how do I even go back to that information? Or sometimes they would say like, look, I want to, I want you to do X, Y, Z X in like, and then I'm thinking the price they're proposing was as an execution they're asking for me. That just seems not right. And I've been just like reading a lot on like emails, reading a lot on, you know, like uh, on website and stuff. There's a bunch of information by different people. There's a bunch of pricing brackets and stuff. And I'm always confused at what is the right one? And sometimes when I price myself high, I lose a deal. Sometimes price myself too low. I feel like I've been just used, uh, quote unquote. I don't know. So for me, it's like finding the right balance. How much I should be charging for the work I'm providing, and what does it look right for me, but also for the brand. So I would say that's just me in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah, super helpful. So I saw, you know, you, I was taking a look at your Instagram uh, in particular and saw that you've been doing some partnerships. I think I saw one with with Wondershare. The way you do it actually is really cool. Like you have this very unique format where you have like kind of a carousel and you embed videos in there. Um, really clever the way in which you you integrate that. So I'm curious, like the partnerships that you've done to date, have most have all of those been inbound or have you been actually reaching out and pitching brands and trying to forge partnerships that way? hundred percent. Inbound, I have never reached out to a brand and I know I'm missing ton of opportunity, especially when I watch your video on PTY. I'm like, 
Oh man, this is this is like a whole new world of opportunity which I didn't know that existed. So yeah. So far, I would say only inbound. I mean, it's a, it's a good problem to have, right? I mean, it's like people are just banging down your door wanting to pay you, right? It's a good good problem to have. Um, you know, I, I kind of like to, you know, start these conversations, um, you know, kind of just as a baseline mentioning that like over the last, you know, decade of my wife and I working with brands and collaborating. Yeah, we have our fair share of inbound uh, deal flow, which is great, but it really, it, it's the deals that we actually went out we pitched a brand. It was like a perfect, you know, uh, partnership that we that we felt we could forge. Um, those were the ones that ultimately led to the more lucrative payday and a longer term relationship. Right. Because it was like us reaching out, illustrating how much value we could provide to these brand partners. And so, um, you know, I think that's like a, a really, really important factor is like, yeah, it's good to have all this inbound deal flow. But then and you may have experienced this, that like. There may be like a really busy time, maybe during the holidays or like I know you do a lot of like job recruitment type stuff like, you know, during new, you know, the new year. People are like, I hate my job. Let me I want to find a new one. Right. So there's like oftentimes a lot, probably a lot of deal flow during certain uh, times of the year. And then you're sitting here thinking like, oh, man, like I don't have any <laughs> I don't have any deals like for like uh, in in my pipeline for, for the next, you know, three months, like better go figure something out. Right. Um, and so that's why I like to say, you know, it's it's so important to supplement your inbound deal flow with, with outbound prospecting and pitching. So um, you're, you're the, you're the, you're the recruitment guy that job, you know, I'm going to help you land a job. So this is going to be easy for you. I have no, I have no concern of, that you'll be able to, you know, figure out how to, how to do that. But let's get to the question at hand, which is pricing. Right. And I think that this is a, uh, a really elusive and challenging um, topic for a lot of creators. And I thought it would be uh, useful to talk first about pricing styles because there's in my experience there's four main pricing styles that creators uh you know will use at various points uh, throughout their creator journey so the first one is a competitive <laughs> a competitive pricing style right where you first get into it maybe you did this right where you started creating content you saw a little bit of traction and then that first brand reached out to you and you're like I don't know how much to charge. So you DM your friend, right? Someone else who's a creator and be like, Hey, how much do you charge? <laughs> right. You have roughly the same amount of like followers or whatever I do. Like how much are you charging for a sponsorship? Right. Uh, or maybe you're Googling or something like that. And so, cause it, it seems, it seems reasonable, right? It's like, okay, well, as long as I can price myself like relatively within a, some sort of margin of error of like what other people are charging, like hopefully that'll be a good, good baseline. So, so um, first of all, is that, is that, has that something that you've, that you've, exactly. uh, that you've done in the past? Yeah. Reach out to fellow creators <laughs> and then, some of them would just say like, oh, I can't share. Or someone would say like, yeah, this is roughly I'm charging. Um, and then you go on, look at a different websites and stuff. Um, but also one of right. the problems I found with that approach was like the, the audience, the way you create content is so different. And also you have a different tone of voice, a personality and how you present your, yourself as a brand on internet. It could be very different from other people. So I was just doing the mistake. Then I found one creator was charging quite low. And I thought, oh, maybe this is right. I should be doing that. Then I found out <laughs> other creator, similar, like doing similar sort of style than me was charging four times more. I was like, I've been mugged. You know, the, the funny thing about that is like, how do you know whether even that other person who's charging 4X is the right price? Like you maybe, maybe the price should be 10X. Like you really don't, right? So when you use that approach um, and you're just kind of copying notes off, off of your classmate, right? It's like, um, it's very difficult to know whether that person has the right answer, right? And so, um, so that's the first pricing style. The second pricing style is what I call cost plus, 
right? And this is where a creator thinks, okay, like this is taking a really long time to actually do these collaborations, right? I got to film the video. I got to prepare it. I got to write captions. I got to do all the, get on calls with the brands. And so like, I want to make sure that I'm at least covering my costs. I want to be making hundred bucks an hour, 500 bucks an hour, whatever, whatever it is, some sort of arbitrary number for a lot of creators, uh, especially, you know, creators that, um, you know, their content requires them to buy supplies, crafts, you know, materials, like, right. It's like a non-trivial expense to actually do a partnership. Right. Um, and so like, this is the approach that a lot of people do is they, they figure out their costs and then they add some sort of arbitrary premium to that. Right. Okay. My costs are X and I'm going to add 25% of that or, or something like that. Right. But even that is oftentimes a really, uh, difficult pricing, uh, style to use because again, you are not necessarily capturing <laughs> the value that the brand is receiving, right? They may be saying, okay, yeah, like your costs are this, your time and materials and whatever, but like, man, like <laughs> we got so, we were able to repurpose that content. We were able to run paid advertising with it. We were able to do all these other things that would have cost us hundred K or 50 K or something like that to go out and hire a production company or an ad agency or whatever to do comparable work like that. Right. So even cost plus pricing, is, is a difficult one as well. The third pricing style uh, is called dynamic, okay? And this is where uh, a lot of creators, we were just actually mentioning this, that, uh, you know, a lot of creators change their pricing during different times of the year. So, for example, for a lot of uh, creators, they pump up their pricing during the holidays, right? Because every brand wants to run you know, creator campaigns during the holidays, during Q4, you know, this type of thing, especially if you're kind of a consumer focused creator. Um, and so they say, I'm just going to like raise my prices 2X or 25% or something like that. And the difficult thing with that is that um, if a brand or especially an agency wants to put you into their budget or put you into their plan for a future mm -hmm. campaign, and they come back to you and say, hey, you know, we worked with you a couple months ago. We'd love to slot you in for this holiday campaign. You say, oh, sorry, my rates are 2x. They're now going to throw their hands up and be like, well, Justin changes his rates all the time. So it's not predictable. First of all, it's one thing if your metrics have increased to justify that, right? You're getting a ton more impressions or viewership or whatever. Like, that's one thing. Like, of course, that's there's justification there. But if you're just arbitrary and saying like, hey, I'm the same. I've got the same, you know, footprint. I'm at the same metrics and I'm charging 2x now or 50% more. The agency is just going to be like, sorry, like, <laughs> like, I can't. Uh, we're not gonna be able to like uh, work with Gaurav anymore because uh, you know, it's just, we can't predict, we can't put them into our plan. If we have to reach out to them every three weeks and be like, Hey, is your rate still the same? Is your rate still the same? Like that's annoying. They don't want to do that. So they want to have some level of certainty that they can slot you into their uh, partnerships. And, and the real like unlock to that uh, idea of like not doing this is that you want them to do that. You want them to put you into their budget uh, you know, to their plan uh, so that they just continue to bring you good work. If they know that they went, when they reach out and hire you, that they're going to get great content. You're going to you know hit deadlines. You're going to be super professional. They want to continue working with you. Right. So give them every reason to do that. Right. So that's, that's uh pricing style number three. And then the final pricing style is what's called merit based. Okay. And this pricing style is based 100% on what the brand feels and believes a partnership with you is worth. And so we get into this topic. We talk about this uh, a lot in my course, Brand Deal Wizard, which is understanding something called your BATNA. Okay. And, and a BATNA is your best alternative to a negotiated agreement. Both you and the brand has a BATNA. So, for example, your BATNA is that 
you know what? If I don't take this deal with this brand, um, then I can, I have other revenue streams to fall back on, right? I've got affiliate marketing. I've got other brand partnerships. I've got, you know, Patreon, whatever it is in your business. And so I don't need to feel pressured to take this deal if they're not offering a good, like a good amount, right? Contrast that with the brand's BATNA, which is that, okay, if they didn't hire you, what are their alternatives? If their goal is, let's say, getting some great compelling content that they can repurpose, put it on their Instagram, put it on their website, put it, you know, use it for paid advertising. If they didn't hire you, they, again, they have to go out and hire a production company. They have to hire an ad agency, right? Um, And so that's probably going to cost them tens of thousands of dollars, right? Um, Or if the goal is really to like leverage your social footprint and your following, like there's not an infinite supply of people who talk about finding and landing the job that makes you happy and pays you more, right? Which is your tagline, right? Yeah. And so there is a fixed pool, a fixed supply of people mm-hmm. like you out there on the internet. Yes, there are others, of course, but um, it's not infinite, right? right? And so for whatever reason, um, you know, they have to like, you know, decide, okay, are we going to, are we, are we really going to be willing to forego this partnership with Gaurav uh, over 2K or over 5K or whatever it is? This is like a calculus that's happening in their head. And so I just wanted to start this conversation out by laying out these, these four different pricing styles and talk about why this final pricing style merit-based is so critical because it'll help you unlock this, this understanding that pricing is very much an art and a science. Every mm-hmm. deal you do is going to be priced differently. Okay. So you may have a brand that comes to you for one TikTok or one Instagram carousel or reel or whatever like that yeah. for the same exact scope of work, the same exact terms, one carousel, one reel, whatever, you may charge another brand 2X yeah. or 3X because that is their in alignment with their goal. Mm. Um, and so I just wanted to quickly pause there. Uh, I know that was a lot. Um, any, any thoughts or, or response to all that? No, I love the fourth one and, uh, I love the used term BATNA. And I was also trying to think of like, uh, I, re- I read that BATNA and ZOPA. So what is a, like a zone of potential agreement with the brand and what's your BATNA? So I really love that phrase. Um, and the fact that you brought that in and like, I've, I've done deals where, a brand paid me way more for the same execution versus a brand paid me way less. And I was able to identify that because when we got on a call, they said like, look, this is the best we can do. Um, but if you, if it doesn't work with you, I totally understand. But like, uh, is there anything else you can slot in? Then I thought, I'll throw in the newsletter. Then I said, okay, fine. So in that way, just knowing what is that zone is really important because yeah, like the brand, which is, Probably I'm working with a brand which is doing a lot of work with the AI. They're more likely to pay me because they really want to get the voice out versus a brand which is not in a, they're not competing in that really growing market, but they're, probably, they're more chill. So it's like understanding also market trend and stuff like that. So yeah, that was really helpful. 100%. And, and you know, one other really important piece of advice that I have that's going to massively improve your uh, negotiation leverage is trying to get on a call as often as, as, as quickly as possible at the outset of a conversation, because, um, one little kind of hacky trick, um, not even a trick. It's just like, 
good business is like you get on a call, you ask all these questions you're talking about, you you do your research, you look at their blogs, you look at their press releases, you look at their Instagram, you know, whatever it is, you you get an uh, understanding of uh, like what their focuses are uh, for this year. You get on the call and then you ask all these questions. And then at the very end, what happens, right? Typically they'll say something like, Okay, give us a ballpark of how much you charge, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. They say something like that, like what roughly, what, what's it going to be? Like one Instagram post, you know, like what, what do you charge, right? And sometimes it feels kind of like you're getting backed into a corner, right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, uh, I don't know, a uh, thousand bucks, two thousand bucks, right? It's like you just like blurt out a number because it feels very uncomfortable. Um, and so here is my advice in those situations. I want you to do something very simple. Okay. When they ask you those questions about what is your price? What is your, how much, how much you charge? What's your rates? Um, and you can do this over email too, by the way, but it's a little bit easier over a call. You say, uh, you do not say, what is your budget? Okay. That's mm-hmm. what most creators do is they say, tell me your budget because what does that do? That backs the brand into a corner. Mm-hmm. They now feel like if they say, if they say our budget is 20 K, how much do you think you're going to charge them for your proposal when you respond to them? <laughs> it's going to be 20 K. Right. And so they're yeah. going to, they're going to be like, Oh, we have, we have no wiggle room now because we said our number mm-hmm. was 20 K. And so that is why oftentimes they're coming back to you and saying, Hey, well, you tell us, <laughs> you tell us what the number is. Right. And so instead of saying, what's your budget, you're going to say this, you're going to say, thank you so much for all this information. It was super helpful. Typically what I like to do, is put together a comprehensive proposal that outlines all of the various ways that we can work together. Do you have a sense of, let's say, three tiers, what those three tiers would look like from a budget feasibility perspective? And then you shut up. (laughs) You say nothing. You lean into the silence. And what does this do? Is they say, oh, okay, so we can actually give a range. We can say, 5, 10, 15K. Or we can say 1, 2, 3K. <laughs> we can say 50, 100, 150K, right? You, you never know what they're going to say, but what this allows them to do is have wiggle room to mm-hmm. go with that lower range if the campaign structure develops as such that they need to slot you into that lower amount. So one of the things that I talk about a lot is that when a brand is reaching out to you trying to in this initial qualification phase where they're trying to ascertain whether they can even partner with you is that they're also reaching out probably to nine other creators, not just you. Right. And so they have a budget of let's say a hundred K or 200, 500 K million dollars, whatever it is. Um, and they're saying this million dollars or $500,000 has to, uh, stretch between all 10 of these creators. Okay. So roughly we're, we're estimating that each creator is going to get, let's say, let's say it's 500 K 10 creators, 50 K per creator. Like roughly that's what we're looking. We're looking for some, like, let's say macro creators. Um, and so what, what ends up happening is they reach out to all 10 of the people, four people don't get back to them (laughs) right at all. They ghost them right of the six people that do respond. Let's say three of the people are, uh, you know, way too much. They're quoting 200 K for the deliverables or something like that. And then the remaining three that do seem feasible, um, they're quoting something that's, you know, a little bit more realistic within that budget. And, uh, now they realize like, okay, one person is quoting 150 and one person's quoting 50. So to be Mm -hmm. able to like get this to work with the remaining budget that we have left, we're going to have to go back and choose that lower tier that we quoted to Guara. So that's why it's so uh, it's so much better to to allow them to give you a range 
for these proposals that you're putting together uh, because they it, it'll be easier for them to what I like to say Tetris you into their plan. Right. They just have to figure out how they can make it work. In my experience, about 75 percent of the time when you ask that, they will tell you. I've done this across hundreds of conversations um, and the remaining 25 percent of the time. When you ask them that question, they're going to be like, oh, no, you tell us. We don't know. We don't know yet. You tell us. Right. And so and so at that point, um, that is when you say, OK, no worries. I'll I'll let you know. And then you go back and you put together your proposal. And what I like to say is. With with your packages, package mm -hmm. one has to be your hell yeah number, <laughs> which means <laughs> if the brand said Hey, let's go with package one. Sounds good. You're yeah. not going to be like, oh, oh my God. Now I actually have to do this partnership. Yeah. Oh man, that's such a bummer. I was hoping they wouldn't pick that package. Right. And so yeah. package one has to be high enough that you would be stoked. You'd be like, all right, yes, boom. I'm stoked about this. Right. So it's either hell yeah or no. That, and so that's like kind of the remaining, that's kind of the approach on the remaining 25%. I do want to have some time to kind of um, talk about, uh, I do have a calculator that I'm, I'm going to, I want to kind of walk through this and kind of help you understand how to get some baseline pricing. But I want to take a pause here real quickly to, uh, talking about this kind of whole conversation around, but have you ever gotten on calls with brands? Like how, how has that gone? I've recently gotten a call um, with three brands. Um the call was really well. So the brand I was on call last week, uh, instead of we just discussing the price and stuff, we went, I was getting them more into the kind of mindset of like, look, what are the maximum ROI you can get working with me? But also I was kind of giving him in, them insight, like, look, these are the format works really well. These are the conversion rates you will get. Um, these are the uh, like a type of content works well. So I was trying to guide them or more like educate them because I worked on a similar brand previously with a similar price point they had. So it was more like a consulting call as opposed to pitch, which was really incredible because walking out of that call, even though that deal didn't close, we were able to build a really good uh, kind of relationship. So it was like, okay, if, if nothing works out, like at least we had a great chat and then we'll come back. So yes, uh, I started doing that after your suggestion on PTYA. Before that, I would just send an email. Oh, I had a VA as well would do that. But working with the VA was a nightmare because 90% of the conversation they had, I lost the deal. So I had to get rid of them because I just realized I'm losing a lot of money by having someone uh, instead of being helped. Uh, it was a bit of a problem. So yeah, from past two weeks, I've done that. And it's been yeah, it's been really, really good. Some brands, they say like, no, just send me the price. And like, okay, fine. Uh, some would say like, let's get on the call. But I would say like 80% of brands are really excited that I'm invested in them. And one of the comments I had from the brand I'm working with is like, it's so amazing when creators actually spend and come up with the ideas to amplify my um, kind of promotion. So I'm definitely going to be pitching you for future deals as well. Like, awesome. That's amazing. Um I have three quick comments um, around all that. So number one, <clears throat> you made a comment around helping them understand like what the conversions were going to be like. Um, and uh, I just want to like flag that conversions is is only one out of three of the campaign goals that a brand will have. There are some brands who won't care at all about conversions. And really what they care about is, let's say, brand awareness. Or what they care about is like repurposing your content. And so what just one quick tip there, I would say is like, don't automatically assume that the only thing a brand reaching out 
is going to care about or a brand that you're talking with. Don't assume that it's conversions, right? A lot of brands mm-hmm. do care about conversions, obviously. But you, if you lead with that, like, oh, look at how many sales I drove or leads I drove or signups or whatever that I drove. Some brands will be like, you know what? We're 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 in the UK. Or we're in the US, but we're launching in the UK. We want to work with you. Like, it's not really about conversions for us. It's just kind of spreading the word about our brand name. Right. So you, you just want to make sure that you're speaking their language. And so that's why before you lead with that, just ask them, what are you trying to get out of this? <laughs> right. Because they yeah. may say brand awareness. And then you kind of want to just very quickly pivot that conversation to be like how you have, let's say, helped other brands achieve those kind of high level um, uh, objectives. Um, that's number one. Just a, a really, really important point here at this juncture in your conversation with the with the brands is that even though this particular deal didn't work out, um, you did the education, you positioned yourself as a consultant, like you said, um, don't just wait for them to come back to you when they have an opportunity that's ready for you. Right. Uh, your job now is to essentially put them into your sponsorship wheel. Right. Which is your your ability, your way that you track all these all these partnerships. Um, and you should be nurturing this brand at least once a month, in my view, for a brand that you went on a call with. You did some education and it's it can be something as simple as, hey, I just saw this article in Adweek or Digiday uh, and thought of thought of you like you know, hope all's well, like, let's, you know, let's chat this type of idea. And so once a month, you're just nurturing them, you're, you're sending them, you're, you're providing value. You're not just following up and being like, Hey, just wanted to check in. Do you have any deals for me? Like, that's not what, <laughs> that's not what you want to do. You want to provide value each time yeah. that you're reaching out. Right. Um, and so that was just like the second note that I would give is like, make sure that this becomes part of your routine. You are running a business here. Right. And so part of running a business is having a sales pipeline, having a client pipeline. And so um, this should be there. Should, you should be having days throughout the month where you just go out and you and you keep nurturing uh, these relationships, because, again, what happens like they're talking with lots and lots of people. And it's it's you staying on their radar, staying at top of mind. Uh, because they may be working with a hundred different or, you know, 500 different creators in a, in a given month or in a given quarter. So it's really, really important that you nurture that. The third thing I would say, I know that having a VA seemed to be more of a hindrance for you than, uh, than something that would be helpful. If I could give one suggestion of how you could potentially change that flow up to be something that would, would not be disruptive, um, is that you could orchestrate a, uh, a handoff uh, with the VA where you intervene once the conversation gets into a, a, uh, a little bit more uh, advanced. So maybe the VA, the only thing that they're doing is the initial outreach or the initial response. Let's say there's an inbound inquiry and they do a little bit of like light qualification, right? They ask about the scope of work. They ask about the deliverables, whatever it is, you, you can kind of massage that process. But then the moment that a brand responds with that additional context, your VA says, okay, just tagging, uh, you know, I'm tagging Gorov into this. Um, he, you know, he'd love to learn more, jump on a call, this type of thing. Again, just providing some perspective here that VAs I think can still be pretty helpful. Um, it's just a matter of like where you intervene. No, that's really helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, because in the past I left them to a level which I shouldn't have. And then it just didn't work out. And then uh, there was like a two months, um, there was like around 10, 15 brand reached out and there was nothing close. I'm like, and I was traveling a lot at that time. I was like, okay, this is not cool. So I was like, you know, you come back, you just don't think much. And you're like, okay, 
So that's really cool. Thank you. By the way, if you want me to help you personally with your next sponsorship negotiation, you can book a public coaching call like this and potentially appear in a future video by clicking the link in the description. Okay, so um, this is a sponsorship pricing calculator that I have spent so much time developing for my course, Brand Deal Wizard. Um, and um, just to quickly explain how it works, um, I, I, mem I remember I mentioned how like pricing is, is very much an art and a science, right? And how important it is to ascertain the goal of the brand. Well, the reason that it's so critical is that you're actually keying your pricing based on the brand's goal. Okay, so like the the very first thing that you're going to do is um, I, I, we're going we're under the like Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, blog, podcast uh, kind of category right now because those are all impressions based, right? If you look yeah. at the back end of your analytics, you see like oh how many impressions did this post get? So that's why we're looking at this in here. Um, and so what I have here, these little numbers that you're seeing here, is that roughly what I what I say is that if it's a conversion campaign, you're going to be looking at roughly a thirty dollars CPM. Right, a thirty dollars per thousand impressions. That's roughly what a brand is going to want to pay for a conversion-focused campaign. However, contrast that with a brand awareness campaign. That's mm -hmm. your. Those are the campaigns where you're going to be able to charge a lot more. Your negotiating leverage is going to be so much higher, and that's closer to let's say a hundred dollars CPM. Because remember, you're creating custom content for this brand. It's a brand awareness campaign. They're just trying to spread the word. They're trying to get grassroots support, uh, and so your negotiating leverage in those, you know, your, your ability to like really push the envelope there is, is, is greatly increased. Um, and so then there's, there's a couple different flags that you want to consider here. So for example, if it's on Instagram, uh, is it going to be a, a video? Uh, is it going to be a photo? Like understanding the, the medium because videos require a lot more effort than photo, right? If it's just like a random, you know, or like a, a simple to use photo carousel. And then this, this uh, figure here is your average impressions per post not your average impressions for your overall account okay mm. um you know not your you know because th this is what some people do i oh this is how many impressions i got over the last 30 days i'm just going to divide that by 30 that's not useful and that's not helpful because you're going to have outliers right yeah. and so what's most important is that you want to look at let's say your last 10 posts and take the average impressions of the last 10 or 15 posts removing outliers. So if you had a real go viral or something like that, you want to ex exclude that because you want a conservative assumption, mm -hmm. a baseline of like, if this brand were to hire you and you made a new post for them, roughly what, how is it going to perform? <laughs> that that's, that's what we're go looking for here. Okay. Um, do you have, like, are you able to pull up one of your recent Instagram posts and tell me like what the roughly, what the uh, average, what the impressions were on that? Sure. One second. Uh... So the one I did on was a Friday was 160,000, but then the was before was 2 million. And then, then before that was 1.2 million. Um, before that was, uh, 700 K. So, so first of all, you're killing it. Like, let's just be clear here. Let me get, let me get some chings in the chat for that. You're killing it on Instagram. Um, <laughs> Um, and so it's, it's a little bit all over the map, right? Roughly, you know, let, let's say just conservatively, it's, it's a couple hundred thousand impressions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's conservatively assume that, right? Um, so let's assume that this is going to be a conversion focused campaign in our, and we're, let's say, let's say we're, it's 300,000 impressions. Okay. Mm -hmm. For this, the last and most important flag here is mm -hmm. understanding the usage rights and the exclusivity. 
Okay. So let's say that the brand wants a month of exclusivity where you cannot talk. Let's say it's indeed right. The, the job, you know, site, let's say that they, Hey, you cannot work with monster jobs or, you know, any of the glass door or any of these other tools for, you know, uh, three months or whatever, or a month, let's just say a month, right? Then that's what's, that is the one is the month here. That's the number we're going to put in there. And so just for the content creation and one month of exclusivity for a conversion focused campaign, meaning that they, how many people actually sign up to indeed mm -hmm. uh, for that? That's what that, okay, that's what that partnership would be. I'm seeing a number conservatively here of 14,850 bucks. I'm massively okay. undercharging. <laughs> yeah. And, and if mm -hmm. the, the campaign goal type changed, let's say that, Hey, we want to get your content to run for ads. Then that mm -hmm. goes up a lot. And again, this is not even including paid media. So there's all these tabs here that help you understand, like, you know, how you can be providing, you know, the, the different, uh, you know, levers that you can have, whether it's paid media, whether it's exclusivity. Um, and so again, because, you have this baseline of like a very, very, you're, you have a ton of eyeballs on your content right now, yeah. right? You have to be using that as a baseline. And I remember I said, you know, it's art, it's an art and a science. It's going to depend on every deal, every brand, every agency. But like, I've, I've oftentimes found that like having this calculator is very helpful, even just directionally to help you understand like roughly what I should be charging for, for certain partnerships like this. And remember the biggest unlock when it comes to like, uh, you know, setting your pricing is when the brand emails you and they say, how much is it going to be for one Instagram post and one set of stories, which is like a, you know, a, a, a pretty typical scope of work for an Instagrammer, let's say what you should never do is just spit back one number. Oh, it's going to be 33 K. That's what most creators do. Oh, it's going to be 30 K 33 K, whatever. They just spit back one number. You have to be providing them multiple packages that they didn't even ask for. Because remember going back to this whole exercise around how they're not just reaching out to you. They're reaching out to probably 10 other creators because they want to get a certain amount of pieces of content. And, and so you actually reaching out and saying, when you respond, you say, Hey, I know you only asked me for like what my rate was for like one Instagram post, but here is packages one through five package. One is going to be, yeah. Remember you asked for paid rights in package one. Well, you know mm -hmm. what? I'm going to give you one Instagram post and one Instagram story in package one, but I'm not going to give you paid rights. I'm just, that's the strip, the totally stripped down version in package one. And that one's going to be whatever it is, 10 K, 15 K, whatever it is package two. Yeah. I'll give you everything you asked for, right? One Instagram post, one story. Then I'll give you the, the paid media rights, the exclusivity, like whatever you're asking for. And then package two or package three. Yeah. I'm going to give you actually two Instagram posts now, two stories mm -hmm. package th four. I'm going to give you three and I'm going to throw in a newsletter blast. Cause I've got 70 K mm -hmm. newsletter subscribers package five. I'm going to do a YouTube or a TikTok or whatever. Right. And mm -hmm. so now what they realize all of a sudden is, Oh, Number one, they may not have even known that you had these other uh, platforms yeah. or assets that you could amplify the campaign to. Um, but now they realize, oh, we can actually hire this creator and we don't have to go out there and hire these two or three other creators. <laughs> less email threads, less contracts. It's mm -hmm. just we just deal with this one person. And guess what you did? You just upsold that and, and basically kind of stole the budget away from those other creators that they were planning on working with. Right. Um, yeah. And so this is just like a very, very critical insight here um, when you're negotiating. Wow, that's mind blowing. I would say the rates uh, difference and stuff, um, but also like uh, just 
throwing them a lot of different avenues and throwing their different ideas how do you make them branch within your ecosystem is such a cool idea it's almost like an apple strategy like you get them on board you try to make them use leverage different avenues and this oh yeah that's really cool i can don't have to worry about it yeah the email um i started leveraging the email news blast and suddenly the brands are like more willing to work i'm like oh that why i was not doing that before yeah I mean, and and the and the beautiful part about this understanding that it's like okay what do i have in my arsenal to offer to the brand the reason that that's so critical is that it'll also help you realize like oh i actually need a podcast <laughs> or something like that right like there are other avenues that I'm not doing right now that I probably should be able to offer to brands. That's one of the reasons candidly that I started a podcast. I've never, I've been a creator since 2009 and I never had a true podcast really. And I, I launched one in earnest just a couple months ago um, because mm. for example, you know, on the, on the topic of podcasts, like it is a normal thing to have three, four, five different ad integrations in a podcast. That does not exist in pretty much any other content format. You're never going to see multiple brands sponsored in, in an Instagram post or a TikTok or a YouTube video or something like that. But in a podcast, it's totally normalized. And so being able to say, if you do not have inventory elsewhere in your business with the newsletter or the Instagrams, or the TikToks or whatever, like you got a very like uh, stacked production schedule or calendar being able to say, I actually have this other asset here that you know, you can also utilize. And it's just another thing to be able to offer in those packages. I love that. Yeah, definitely. Podcast is something on my list for like forever and you keep on pushing back. It's one of those things you got to get going. Uh, and before that, it's like a mountain and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, and you know, I, I was looking, I was sitting here looking at my business. I'm doing so many different things, the courses and the coaching and all the content, my business with my wife and like so many things. And I was like, am I really going to add a podcast onto my plate? Like, am I seriously going to do this? Um, but again, like you have to go back to first principles. You have to go back and think, what are my objectives? What's my North Star in this business? You know, you're you have like a very... Uh, very clear one, right? Helping you to find and land the job that makes you happy and pays you more. Like that is a very clear North star to me. And so, um, you know, if I look at the persona of your audience, there's probably a lot of people who would listen to your podcast on their commute, on their yeah. way to work, on the train, in their car, something like this. If they're someone who wants to, uh, you know, level up in their career or get a promotion or find a new job. Um, like that's a podcast that they would probably listen to. They probably aren't going to pull up your Instagram or your TikToks and even YouTube and like listen to those in the car. They're not going to do that. Right. And so it's like, that's why, in my opinion, um, I would even probably tackle like a podcast prior to YouTube. I mean, I know you just did PTYA and Ali will probably kill me if I say that, but like, you know, just again, mm -hmm. like, is it, yes, like, it, it, yes, if you had all the resources in the world and you could hire a team and they could help you and all, yeah, you should do everything. You should do YouTube, you should do podcasts. But if it was me, I would probably be focusing on a podcast just specifically given the the, the persona mm -hmm. of the audience you're, you're speaking to. No, you're absolutely right. Um, so many people have asked me like, when are you launching your podcast? Um, like I want to listen more on this topic deeply. And the, that's the reason I moved from making a TikTok, making like a real stew carousel because people are like, yeah, the 30 second video doesn't do the just justice because I want to know more. Uh, they've been asking uh, the biggest request I get is like, make a longer form content. I'm like, okay, I really need to find a time, uh, just get it all together and just deliver that because you're absolutely right. People really want to listen 
longer form because this is a topic you can't have a 20 second tip it just doesn't work like that so that's been like in a really uh, eye-opening and your what your suggestion of podcast was again reminding me i should just do it <laughs> you know the other thing too is that on the topic of sponsorships is that it opens up so many unique avenues for you. Like imagine being able to pitch in a, in a sponsorship package that you you'd be willing to interview the VP mm-hmm. of marketing from indeed on your podcasts. Yeah. That's like, that's part of the sponsorship is like, they can yeah. come in and talk about this new product, you know, this new feature that they have or something like that. You know how excited brands get about stuff like that. <laughs> they share that around to the office and all internally like, Oh, we were on, you know, this podcast. It was awesome. You know, this type of thing. Um, so like, to me, it's, it's a no brainer. No, that's really cool insight. Thank you, Justin. One thing I wanted to ask, like, how do you push back on pricing, uh, when the brand is being too kind of like, so like they're like, no, 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 this is what we're going to do. Like, there's no way we can move forward. But like, let's say I usually like charge, I would say between four to five K knowing that I've been, I was charging way below what I should be. Um, and then for me, it's like, how do I, like, let's say I put the price up to, let's say, 10K to begin with. And the brand's like, no, there's no way we're going to do it. How do you find the right approach to push back without losing it? All the same time, it's, it's going to be like a mentally big shift for me going from 5 to 10, and then going from 10 to 15 to 20, because like, I would have never imagined I could charge impro- Because one brand, I did a deal, they got 4.5 million impression and views and that just paid me, I should have charged way more. And then I was like, okay, how, how do I bring myself to politely push back? Um, is there any like a framing or whatever works would be amazing to know? Yeah. You know, one of the most important things that I teach around negotiation strategy is the concept of creativity, right? It's thinking, how can I understand what the sensitivities of the brand are, brand is, um, in the, in this particular situation, because the brand oftentimes cares about other non-monetary things that you're not going to realize until you actually ask them. And so I actually want to, uh, share some quick examples here, um, that might be helpful as we, as we work through this. So what if the brand won't come up any higher on their offer, right? This is, this is mm-hmm. a very common situation. And so, uh, remember we talked about, uh, your strong BATNA. And so that, this is where that comes in, right? And you could say something like, Thanks for sharing this context. We are absolutely motivated to find a way to make this work. Although given our other partnership commitments this quarter, X dollars, which is what I quoted you, uh, is going to be the required investment. Alternatively, if you would be open to reducing the deliverables to, let's say, one post and confining the exclusivity term to, let's say, 30 days, that will allow us to optimize our production calendar and make this work for X minus Y, which is the rate that they're wanting to pay, right? And so what you're doing is you're not, you're illustrating a couple things. Your professionalism. Wow, this creator has a production calendar <laughs> and they, they, there's a lot of demand for them right now. Like, okay, that that's interesting. Um, but also you're pulling something off the table. You're not just conceding and giving up nothing because this is what a lot of creators do. They just say, oh, the brand says, all I have is 5K when you quoted 10K and, and you're like, okay, I guess I'll do it for 5K and you don't concede anything. And that's really, that's very, very dangerous because the next time that they come back to you, they're just going to assume that you're going to be doing, you'll, you you have eroded your pricing leverage there Mm -hmm. and they're no longer going to be willing to ever offer you that higher amount. But in this situation, you're showing them that like, I'm willing to, to, to concede on the price, but Mm -hmm. there is some dynamics of the deal that have to change so that you still have that 
10K pricing power on future future partnerships on the on the topic of professionalism. It's like Mm -hmm. even if you are, let's say, two or three X the cost of another creator when you send emails like this and when you conduct yourself in that in so like in that manner. Um, it just seems like the campaign's going to go better with you. <laughs> so even though you're more expensive, it just seems like this creator knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like let, let they're going to help us accomplish what we're looking to, whatever our objective is. Let's just pay them. Let, let's just hire them. It just seems like it's going to go better. <laughs> right. And so like, honestly, at the end, I ran an agency for seven years, man. I, I can't mm-hmm. even tell you how many times we hired an influencer that was more expensive because we'd worked with them in the past. We knew that. If we hired them, it was going to go well. They weren't going to give us a bunch of flack. You know, we wouldn't have have to like micromanage them like they were just Mm going to do it. And like we just didn't have time to like deal with all the drama (laughs) that some honestly a lot of creators. It's like a lot of creators have drama. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just like pulling teeth, getting every little aspect of the campaign from them. So uh, if you this is honestly at the core. This is what I teach, dude. This is the course, the Mm -hmm. coaching. Like it's, it's about professionalizing yourself. It's like treating your your this stuff that you're doing on the internet as a business because it is you're deriving income from this and you have to act accordingly that's super helpful thank you yeah so i think i think the only thing that we really haven't touched on today which is a very very critical uh part of of doing deals like this is just the analysis phase Mm -hmm. right which is providing both quantitative and qualitative insights to the brand at the end of the campaign, not just screenshots. Cause a lot will just say, Hey, send us your screenshots, right. Of like your insights and all this stuff. Um, and like that may be what they're asking for, but remember you're a professional creator, right? And so what you're going to do is you're going to put together what I call a post campaign report. Okay. And you're going to provide to them, not just the insights, but yeah, that's, that's important, but that's table stakes. You're mm-hmm. also going to provide to them, qualitative uh insights so for example my wife and i uh, recently did a partnership with uh puss in boots and peacock plus which is like a streaming platform right and they uh they wanted to promote the uh that the movie was now streaming on peacock plus that was in like to watch it with your family this is the kind of the, the goal we asked them the goal they said the goal is to get more people to stream the movie on on peacock plus number one how are we going to know whether people sign up for peacock plus or stream the movie We don't. We don't have access to that information, to those metrics. We're never going to be able to know. Right. But that's what they said the goal was. And so what we do have, though, is that when we posted the the Instagram reel, we had hundreds of people in the comments saying, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. I'm watching it with my family right now. Or, oh, my God, I just downloaded Peacock Plus to watch it with my family for movie night. And so, you know what we did? We screenshotted a heck of a lot of those comments and we put it in our post campaign report. And so we had a page that said, what was the goal? The goal was to get more families to watch Puss in Boots on Peacock Plus. And then the next page said results. And it was just like a ton of screenshots of people saying, we watched the movie, we watched the movie, we watched the movie. Right. And so now that brand or that agency is able to forward that post campaign report to their client who is Peacock Plus and saying, hey, look, we accomplished what we set out to do. And so this whole idea of like closing the loop mm-hmm. of showing the brand or the agency that, hey, the thing that we set out to do that you paid me for, we actually accomplished it. And this is this is the thing that's going to get you hired over and over again, because they're going to realize like, OK, whenever we go and we hire this creator, they are able to knock it out of the park for us. No, that's really helpful. Uh, 
just having like a system which you can you know, kind of plug in every time you do a campaign, you fill in those things, slide and just send over with, again, super professional post campaign review or feedback, whatever. That's super cool. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I have a ton of templates that I've developed, um, like to make it really easy for, uh, for, for students to join my course. Um, and so the, the point is, is that it becomes part of your system. It becomes part of your routine. Like this is just something I do every time that I work with a brand, right? I put the proposal together. I execute the partnership. I did just do it without with, I do it flawlessly. And then I submit the post campaign report, which by the way, critically, another thing that the post campaign report has is your future campaign proposal in there. So you say, here is what I'm proposing we do for the next partnership. Because I got a bunch of comments of people saying like, oh, what other movies do they have on Peacock Plus? Oh, well, I can do a reel talking about they don't just have family movies. They have all these thrillers and adult films and, you know, like, like, you know, R-rated, you know, like horror films and like whatever. Right. They have stuff not just for families, but also for, you know, date night in for you and your partner or something. Right. Um, and so like but that again you see how that's like a direct response. You, you saw that in a comment that you got is like, oh, I wish you would have talked about this feature or this benefit a little bit more. And then you use that as fodder to pitch the next idea. You don't just let this this opportunity languish. You just finish the deal. You get paid and then you literally never talk to the brand. That's what a lot of creators do. Right? It's like, no, you have to keep this wheel spinning and yeah. pitch them on the next idea. No, I, I've done that. I've worked with so many big brands and I never contacted them. HubSpot, Indeed, uh, so many. And I was like, damn, I should have been in touch with them to kind of pitch for the future campaigns and stuff because there was a campaign worked really, really well. Some of the videos brought like five, six million views and stuff like that, like ultimate like post campaign, kind of like a template and stuff. Yeah, that is, that is really, really cool and eye-opening for me. Can I give you a uh, uh, something that will make you feel a lot better, which is that you can still go back to them and send them a post campaign report, even though the campaign was a year ago or six months ago or two years ago. It doesn't matter. You could say throwback Thursday, flashback Friday, whatever you say. I was just thinking about this partnership that we did six months mm -hmm. ago or a year ago. And I just I thought it was so awesome. I was so happy to do it. I just wanted to provide you some updated metrics of how this campaign has performed since since we last spoke. You know, in the in the campaign window, it got 200,000 views. Now it has 500,000 views or something like that. And here's right. some other insights. Here's what we could do on the next campaign. So it's a reason to reach out. If mm -hmm. you're able to share updated metrics and there's actually a meaningful increase, um, that's something they're going to forward around to their to their boss and be like, oh, by the way, like this thing continued to 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 do well. We should actually think about hiring this creator again. So so people always ask me like how far, how long is too long ago to do a PCR and I say never. Like 20 years ago is fine. Send send a PCR. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's super cool. Like I did a lot of campaign like 6 7 months. I was thinking, "Ah, oh, it's too late." But this is like I'm going to write a report over the weekend and just go through it because I was thinking like doing like a notion document of all the brands I worked with and the brands I want to work in the future and stuff like that. So no, that's amazing quick question like uh on a because on a pricing side when it comes to like a uh, instagram but when you look at the tiktok when you look at the newsletter would you use similar sort of matrix or would you it has a very different kind of matrix for each platforms that is also the reason that i have broken broken out the different platforms um youtube and tiktok is a little bit different because those are views based 
primarily, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you, you know, you do have impressions metrics on YouTube, but most brands aren't looking at that. They're looking at how many views did the video get, right? Similarly on TikTok, like how many, how many views did the TikTok get? And so the difference is that the metric here, the baseline, it's the same, but it's a different metric. It's CPV now, cost mm-hmm. per view instead of cost per thousand impressions. So with conversion, you're looking at, let's say a three cent CPV contrasted with a $30 CPM for Instagram, but it's the same. It's just a different metric because based on what the goal is uh, or based on what the uh, platform is. And similarly for a newsletter, um, you know, you're, you know, typically what you're going to look at is like opens, right? Like how many people are actually opening this, not just how many people you have on your list, but like Mm -hmm. how many people are actually, uh, actually opening it. So like zero to $10 per, per 10 cents. So z- like it would be like zero. Mine is like around. Yeah. Zero, zero to 10 cents, like cost CPO, basically cost per open. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, it's like almost like a 50% open rate on the newsletter. Great. So yeah, I've been, yeah, that's really helpful. That's thank huge, you. man. By the way, your newsletters are also a ton of value. So it's, I just feel like you're providing so much value. I, I don't know how to explain. It's like, a, so when, when it comes to like, you know, booking a call or buying a course it's almost like, it trusts so much because it's like, and I, I see like a lot of creators, like they hold back. But the thing is like, even if you provide the value, 99% of people are not going to apply it. So say it again on a different format and say it as stuff. And it just builds so much credibility. So, you know, thank you so much for that. Like uh, last question, where are you guys are you thinking of planning like a launch a course or something like that, where you go through everything in detail? Um, what I'll do, I'll apply all the strategies and I'll keep you posted, of course, like how it goes and stuff um and then like I- I- any other stuff like coming in the future i'll be interested to know whether i can work with you or not because it's just super fun to be surrounded by people who are so passionate about these things uh you usually in a creator side you just feel like people just don't want to share so it's it's so nice to <laughs> kind of like a, like guys i'm not gonna steal your brand deal it's just like it's different but it's so funny yeah Dude, I, I appreciate that so much. Honestly, that means so much to me because I have the same philosophy as you is like rising tides float all boats. Like we, there is billions and billions of dollars being spent on the Internet. Like I always joke, like if if Indeed hires another creator to like do a partnership, you should be jumping for joy because that means that Indeed needs to find 20 other people just like that creator that they just partnered with. So the next person that they're going to try and find is you. Right. And so like creators always get jealous, like, oh, man, that person doesn't even use Indeed. I knew they used monster jobs to get there. No, I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, right. It's like they get jealous and it's like, don't get jealous. Like everyone, there's money for everyone to go around. Don't worry. Um, So but I appreciate that. that so much. I I I honestly like I do not care if, Mm. like you said, 99 percent of people that follow me ever pay me. I, I don't, I don't, there's always going to be people who like you <laughs> who want to pay me for more detailed uh, advice and coaching and, and, and support. So um, like, there's absolutely no reason to hold back because um, I, I also do feel that this, this information needs to be out there. This need people need to be able to advocate for themselves mm-hmm. uh, because so many people are undercharging and not really realizing their worth. So um, appreciate that so much, man. No, thank you so much. I think uh, I must have missed out more than $100,000 over the past, I would say, year on my sponsorship. So I just, um, I, I love the fact that so much action I can take and make such a big impact on a business. Uh, so that $500 has, I don't know, thousand million 
X ROI. Awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to get that testimonial from you. A million, million ROI, million X ROI on the investment. So, (laughs) all right, man. Thanks again. Hey, you're, uh, you're still here. Well, that's pretty cool. I appreciate that. I got a really small ask. Would you rate this podcast wherever you're currently listening to it? A friend of a friend told me that positive ratings are the number one way to help get your podcast in front of new listeners. So will you do me a solid rate it? And then, you know what, actually screenshot the rating, DM it to me at creator wizard. And in return, I will, you know what, I'm going to sing you a song of your choosing deal. I, and I used to be in a metal band and I'm classically trained in opera. So you're probably going to want to rate the podcast. Thanks again.